Hello and welcome to the uh, latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. This is RPG Sites Monthly Podcast. We've got some important news to share with you. First off, though, I'd like to introduce the people that we've got um, and then move on to the important news. First, of course, is Josh Torres returning back to the podcast. Hello. Hello. It's been many eternities since E3, it feels like. Absolutely. And before we get right and deep into that stuff, I wanted to say what our big announcement was, is that Adam Vitali is back. Hey! Hey! You got done with your um, defense of your reporting, as it were. Uh, so how did it go? My, It was a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> and I basically went a whole month where I basically just slept and worked and then fell asleep and then worked some more. And <laughs> yeah, you were in on social media and that would be extremely difficult for me <laughs> to avoid social media. Yeah, it was very impressive. I really, really like respect like your drive to like just stay committed and focused on that 100%. Didn't that's have freaking choice, awesome. Though, right? <laughs> so, but yeah. I, a lot of people would fall to that temptation though and I think that's super <laughs> cool that Adam was not only able to do that but what did you get out of it, Adam? Uh, I got my doctorate. <laughs> so, God, yeah. yeah. Congratulations, dude. That's what's amazing. Your, what's your doctorate in again? Uh, material science and engineering, which is kind of like Oof. a mix of a bunch of different sciences. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you said that you're soon going to have to move out and find a job. Is there like a specific <laughs> place that you'd like to work at? Well, basically, I'm still doing research for a couple of months. The, the defense isn't the absolute last thing you do. Sure, it's sure. One of the last things you do. And then Let's basically now, now that that's hurdles out of the way it's you know now to start really jumping into the job search and you know it can be like at a national lab or it can be at a research institution it can be at a company so it's it's pretty open but <laughs> look at boston or something like that boston technologies yeah i mean that that's that's amazing congratulations on that that's Thank obviously you. an extremely difficult thing to do i'm sure a lot of people have tried and failed at that very thing especially to stay in school for that long I mean, I got out as soon as I got my bachelor's, so I was happy enough that I stuck through that, but having to be there for a number more years just for yep. a doctorate. That, that's a total of nine years of college. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Boy, and it's not like you skipped years or anything like no, that. No, four, 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 four years of bachelor's and then five years of PhD. Yep. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. I mean, it's hard enough to imagine people getting their master's, but going all the way to the PhD level is insane. So at least you now can put that on your driver's license. <laughs> well, I, I remember that one person, one th some, I forget who said this. It's just a common saying, but like education and your degree is something that's never taken away from you. And it just kind of feels nice that like I have a doctorate. Right. And yeah, that's kind of, and like seeing the last five years of work kind of come together like that is, you know, it's kind of uplifting actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I personally would love to go back to school, but obviously tuition costs and things like that get in the way. And for your, the job, the type of job you've got, it's obviously a high, a high paying job. So if you, if you find the right place, so best of luck with that, of course. Thank you. Yeah. What an education. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about that though. I actually have like this um, slow cooker, not five feet away from me. That's been cooking this giant turkey. Not this, this giant chicken that's in there with that's covered in sweet honey barbecue sauce. And now it's like, the entire room smells really damn good. <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and get into um, some of the different things that we want to address before we move into our E3 reactions. Um, as people have been paying attention to our YouTube channel and on the website, we have been posting a couple different videos of our reactions to different things, such as the uh, <clears throat> EA and Bethesda press conference and the Microsoft press conference. We also have some spin-off casts about uh, Mass Effect Andromeda and Square Enix. 
And so definitely check those out if you want to hear a more in-depth conversation about those games and those companies. Uh, but, you know, we never really had a chance to really talk about our reactions to the show. So we'll move into that a little bit later. But first, let's talk about the games that we've been playing. Now, I want Josh to go first because as of this recording, we just put up our review for Zero Time Dilemma, which is the latest entry in the Zero Escape series, the third entry after 999 and A Virtuous Last Reward. And so um, you guys put up the review. You Just explain a little bit of it. You, it was apparently a collaborative effort. Yeah, uh, Aaron and I uh, basically did this uh, co-op review of Zero Time Dilemma. I, I pitched to her uh, during E3 week. I was like, hey... I have like a good idea about this because as we worked through the game, I slowly realized that like, oh shit, like there, there's a lot of like different angles and perspectives come at this ad. So I'm really curious that, that where she and I would end up. So after we got done with it, uh, like a few, few days earlier, uh, we talked about it and then we were basically on the same wavelength on how we felt about Zero Time Dilemma, but it was, we came at it from different angles. So I, I asked her like we should try to do this in some sort of co-op review like to fully encapsulate our thoughts about it Be- uh so what we did just earlier that we put up a review um that both it covers the 3ds and vita version of zero time dilemma okay. and that, uh, there's gonna be no spoilers on here so if you're a fan of the series or you wanted to go into it don't worry uh, don't worry about it i won't spoil anything um <laughs> just came out you better not yeah Oh. Uh, so Zero Time Dilemma uh, takes on the same kind of format as the previous games. It's very much about uh, escape rooms, puzzle solving, and going through many scenes of uh, characters interacting, the plot unfolding, and then kind of shifting into other places in the storyline to see how things uh, turn out differently. Because uh, these games are very much... Uh, all about their branching paths, uh, multiple endings. There are many ways that things can unfold depending on the uh, a choice, uh, a player's choice, and also like how things can, how things relate to each other when things end in a certain way. And there is like this uh, true end in all of these games. So, I I was going into it, and I was very very surprised at how it's. It's now rated M. I forgot if Virtue's Last Reward was rated M. But the M rating in Zero Time Dilemma very much goes above and beyond like what I expected. Oh, it, yeah. sounds pretty dark. It, 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 is very, it, it is very graphic, let's just say, oh of uh, what scenes it decides to depict. Unlike the biggest change in presentation compared to Nine Hours, Nine Persons, and Nine Doors and Virtue's Last Reward is that it... For its story segments, it opts for fully cinematic cutscenes that are fully voiced uh, over like the visual novel-esque you know, presentation from the prior games that had you know, dialogue boxes and portraits uh, interacting with you. It was only until Virtue's Last Reward that you know, other, uh, there, were, there was voice acting in place aside from the, uh, the main character. So a lot of it is viewing these little cutscenes and... There's a good reason why they're, they just pitch for this. In the game, there's a lot of uh, movement. There's a lot of acts of aggression, let's say. Uh, mm. and, su- and sudden twists and turns that it wouldn't really feel that interactive if, if it was just the, the traditional visual novel 
or like, oh, are you saying like you like kind of like dangan rope? You actually like walk around. They don't, you don't walk around. You watch, you watch thing. The only time you like take control of the screen is during the escape room segments. You actually oh. watch things. You, you you watch things in motion play out. But the things that happen in those cutscenes has involves a lot of movement. Oh, okay. You mean oh, okay? So the cutscenes are the ones that obviously give you transitions. Yeah. So yeah. So in, I haven't played VLR, but I think it's the same as Nine Nine Nine, which I have played. Where basically it's just you know the character art and text boxes with the occasional like artwork no, that kind of no. pops in. So it, this is all cutscenes. There's there's all cutscenes on that uh, and uh the only thing that it really uh has similar in terms of like interactivity with with it is still the escape room puzzles. It's still a lot of hey you're trapped in this room, find a way out and then the way you do that is, you know, looking at the room, uh looking for contraptions, clues and uh Mixing and combining things inside your inventory to see how they into how, how they relate to a certain prop in the room, and then there'll be a lot of like you know little activities for you to do. So let's say they are, you have this little um, device that's like kind of, kind of like polygonal device that you have to like match up pictures on, and then once you match up all the pi- pictures, like a certain item will fall out of it, and then that item will somehow correlate to another thing, and so and so forth. So it's uh, still very much like that. I it, it was very funny um, seeing where Aaron and I got stuck in Zero Time Dilemma because we were stuck in completely different rooms. Like there was a handful of rooms that we were t- t- stuck at, but it was at different places. Like there was no one bottleneck that was like, oh shit, we can't figure this out. It was more like, oh my god, I'm in this room. Did you do this? Like I am completely stumped. And it's like, oh, you yeah, saw the reactions on IRC that we chat on that you guys were having some very difficult time with the puzzles at points. You're going to say something, Adam? Well, it, it sounds like it was just like, I'm stuck here. Then, you know, Aaron would be like, oh, that's easy. Just yeah. do this. And then kind of vice versa, Aaron would get stuck and you'd be like, well, just do that. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it, I think I'm very excited to see how people help with one another, like where people get stuck and like what was their thought process going into that? Like because... It, it's a it's fascinating to just see how people think uh, their thought process during this game like what makes sense for them what comes naturally to them opposed to like what stumps them like i'm sure there's some psychological psychological like factor behind it i just want to know the explanation to that like what makes people completely freeze at a certain part in, in their internal logic i think yeah. that's super cool and, and and to mention, like, after going through a review, it seemed like you didn't have any real issues with the puzzles themselves. It seems like they were pretty challenging. Yeah, the, the, there, were, there, there were rooms that, like, the, mo- the, like, the most difficult rooms for me uh, were, like, the most fun ones. Like, the ones that had, that each part of it was varied. Like, there, you had different things going on with it. Sure. Like I'm not I'm not gonna spoil exactly what's going on in, in a certain puzzle, but there there's this puzzle room that you have a, a thing that has cert, certain modes through it, and through these modes you see the room differently, or you see different things about the room. So by by se- segregating like how you see the room, you're able to find like new clues and how things inside that room interact because of the way that you interact with this item that you picked up earlier. And I thought that was super cool because there was no. Uh, like repetitiveness to that. Unfortunately, there are some rooms that like you know have puzzle activities and mini games that like it just keeps going on again and again in it. Like there are some uh, rooms that have like a certain puzzle that like you have to match something up to something, and then you go on to the next one. And it's the same thing, just a different pattern or items. And I, I was a little bit bummed about that. Yeah, but I mean, 
besides things you seem to enjoy, going back to like the cutscenes, it seems like you had a, you guys had some problems with the the voice acting. Yeah, unfortunately, like there were inconsistent performances all around. We we for the majority of the game we played it through it with the English voice acting, and there were some no- notable talents in there. For the most part, I we didn't really have like a huge huge problem with it it wasn't like all around oh my god there's there are just sure. some, there, there, there's some key characters and they kind of took, took down the experience a notch because of the way that their their voice came out like let's say let's say there's a super dramatic thing and then say for example kane had to like scream out junpei's name and then like the the delivery of Ju, uh, uh, when she says junpei, junpei. yeah it's, it's kind of it's a little <laughs> bit hoarse and it's, it's not a it's kind, of, it's kind of cheesy. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, uh, go. When I was at Momocon, which Access had a uh, a panel, and they talked about this game, of course, mm-hmm. they showed the trailer in English, and uh, one of the trailers is English voice acting, and there was actually a, a line in the trailer which was supposed to be a, I don't remember what it was at this point, but there was a line in the trailer that was supposed to be, you know, tense or emotional, but people actually started chuckling because of, you know, the delivery was just yeah. humorous, yeah. even though it shouldn't have been. Yeah, and you'll, you'll it, just, that it just felt a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, that that's a shame. It, it For some scenes, for some very important scenes, it was like, oh, man, there's just something about it that just... Ruined the moment. <laughs> Yeah, oh, but and then uh, not to, not to dwell too much uh, on about this, uh, but there, I love absolutely love the the storytelling in this game because how this game is presented is you play through memory fragments. So after a certain uh, cutscene, after an event in the game that you like has all the teams participate, they're split up into three teams of three, and then. Once that branches out and you're uh, free to explore memory fragments, like you'll just pick random fragments with like certain story scenes in a puzzle room, and then uh, a decision game, which I'll get into in a bit. Um, it's it's fragmented on purpose. Like normally for many, many, many other games that try to do this, it feels very confusing and it doesn't make sense when it lines up, even when it uh, all is said and done. But in this game, it it leaves you confused. And make rash decisions in the uh, at the beginning for a purpose. Like you won't know exactly what the hell you're doing, just picking random memory fragments here and there, uh, until like a good two thirds of the game. And then the final third of the game, you're just like, holy shit! Like that's the reason that like these systems are in place, and it all serves a common theme. It's very much in the spirit of the other Zero Escape games that like had presentation mechanics in place that you were like, okay, this is kind of odd, but when it comes, when all is said and done, it's like, that's why they presented it like that. That's freaking brilliant why they presented that. Cool. That's yeah. nice to hear. So, the, so you'll have a lot of different endings, a lot of uh, proper endings, some bad endings, something, some endings that uh, leave Accenting. you... ending. Yeah. <laughs> some, some cliffhanger endings that leave you there on purpose because you have to do another team's... Uh, you have to progress another team's events for that for that to link up to a certain cliffhanger, and then finally, just like in how in nine 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 you had the non airy game, and the virtues last War, you had the A B or the ambidex uh, game. Now in zero time dilemma you have the decision game, and the decision game isn't as complicated as uh, the prior games. Like in nine 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 you just had to go through a door using your uh, a watch that had a number on it, and then making sure it uh, summed up to nine, and then you go through that door. 
Um, and then that Ambidex game, you had to choose ally or betray at certain uh, points, which will go into a series of events depending on that. So in this game, it's somehow even more simple like that, yet so much more complicated. So in this game, you have uh, at a lot at the good handful of cutscenes, you simply have a decision to make. It'll have a little countdown with a little hourglass logo over it, and then depending on what you choose, it'll obviously have different events to show you. Some will be more meaningful than others, but you won't know exactly what are the ramifications of your decision until you actually make it. There's like, there's it builds up tension, rightfully so, up to it, but you won't actually, you don't have a good sense of what will happen if you choose a certain thing. Oh, so you mean like the it could blur a little bit on which choices you're like the good choices versus like you're moving towards a good ending or a bad ending kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. So, for example, there will be choices where you have to type in something. Um, I'm all typing on the 3DS. All yeah, joys. The, yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> it's, it's nice. You have a little keyboard there. You can use your stylus. It's not that bad. Um, so Hopefully it's not you, long. No, so none of it is not is okay. not long. It's no, just, not saying like the Vita is also bad. I mean, that, that yeah. the keyboard on those on the systems are all pretty bad, unless it's actual keyboard. I'm wondering if the PC version has like keyboard support. I would. Oh, I'm that. sure it's got to be right. I don't that's, know. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying like that's, that's that makes common sense. I mean, that version's out in a few days, so I guess yeah. we'll find out. But find out. So, like for certain uh, decisions, you type in something, and sometimes it's like, uh, who who's to blame for what happened? You know, for example, and then. You type in names, and it's it's funny because they'll they'll actually comment on this. Uh, you'll depending on what you choose, they'll actually have comments for like say it's this person. They'll react differently, or they say maybe it's me, and it's like you know fuck you, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, other things it's just like you can, you can actually say like no one, and then they're like no, that's bullshit. <laughs> uh, and then sometimes accusing uh, me. Sometimes sometimes it'll be completely like. A, uh, do third-party characters totally uninvolved? There's no way they could have done it. Like, for example, um, there's a dog in this game named Gab, <laughs> and he's such an adorable old dog. Uh, the the main purpose of Gab, uh, I'll get into la- later on. But um, you said, like, for example, I, just for shits and giggles, I typed in Gab, and then they're like, "Say you're saying the dog did?" <laughs> like, oh, there's actually uh, like a unique voice line for that. That's really funny. It's gotta be. I mean, obviously they know the player will put anything in there, so that's awesome. That's yeah. It, it was real fun to see that. Um, so decision games can go like that. Some of them are just basically like choices. Some of them are timed. Some of them to like get the next path, you need to have let the timer run out. So it like the decision game like is basic in nature, but there the way you can. How it results from can go in like sometimes three or four different ways. Oh. So That's yeah, it's a it's very it's, it's a very complex uh, flowchart that uh it it's it, it seems overwhelming at first, but as you play through, it's like oh, it's not that bad because you're just you're because you're, you're just kind of fishing for out, outcomes at a certain point, and uh, navigating back to certain events is very easy. Like at any time, you can pull up a menu. And just uh, say, hey, do, do you want do you want to go back to the, like this global flowchart? And then it displays the global flowchart, even if a cutscene is playing. And then it's like, yeah, I want to go back there, so I'll just end that cutscene and immediately go back to that portion of the game right there. Are you, are you saying like you could easily like trigger different endings uh, in a in a short span of time just by jumping back? Like, is it like quick saving kind of thing? Well, quick there's loading? there's there's no there's no quick saving or quick loading. You still have to save and load manually, but the 
the act of like actually jumping from one event to another is very fast, not because you can only directly access it immediately at any time, but if you already have uh, text that you've already seen or read, you just have a fast forward option that you just hold down and then it'll just fast forward until that decision game. And then oh, okay. So it's all just in a matter of seconds. <clears throat> that's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. For the person that wants to unlock all the achievements or trophies. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. 3DS doesn't have achievements at all, but on oh. the Vita, I'm sure, the mm-hmm. Platinum Trophy, but still. Yeah, the, the, getting the Platinum Trophy is just like Virtue's Last Reward right here. So. I think Erin, Aaron, who also reviewed it, got a Platinum. Yeah, she game. got the Platinum. I, I did a... If, if the 3DS had a Platinum Trophy, I would have got a Platinum <laughs> Trophy, all right? That's a bullshit. I, don't I mean, it's basically it. getting the Platinum Trophy is just like completing it fully, right? Getting all the endings. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so yeah. I can't I can't do that in, in visual novels. Uh, not just because it's time consuming, but also it might ruin my experience with the game because I'm trying to hunt out decisions that I wouldn't normally make. It's like doing that in Danganronpa. I don't know how people can do that. It's challenging. There's definitely a game that like you're you're better served seeing all the endings first before you do the true end because all those endings are linked in some way shape or form. There are details that you don't see in other places that you see in the, that you learn in those endings. That's like Oh, that serves into an overall purpose. So uh, I don't know. There's the, the, there's some appeal to like having some unknowns. Like oh, I don't yeah. want, I don't need to know everything about every single person. I want to have like I want to fill in the blanks myself. But I totally understand people that do want to do it. I'm just speaking for myself here. So the 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 out the basic um, like layout of this game, how this game is played, is basically all the. All the characters are trapped in this underground bomb shelter. There's no, no spoilers. It's the, literally the premise of the game. The, the, there's no surprise uh, when you go into the game. They're in this underground bomb shelter. They're split into three teams of three. Uh, the C, C team, Q team, and D team. And they're ported to their uh, respective wards. So they have their three separate wards uh, for each team. And then how they communicate with one another is through this little dog uh, called Gab. And they ha- normally they have no way to communicate with each other, but Gab has a little collar that has a little tube where you can put, stick a note in there. And so they'll write down notes and then they'll have Gab like travel through the vents to other wards to, keep, to then hopefully be there in time to communicate with one another what their, their decision is as this uh, game goes on. Because sometimes there will be decisions that out, uh, affect other teams. Sometimes they're pretty big decisions that threaten other teams if not if not coordinated properly, let's say. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so, and then the the main shtick... It's like the telephone game, pretty much. Like, if it's not... Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The, the, the main consequence, uh, the big consequence that all teams share is that for every every hour and a half, they're put to sleep and injected with a, with a drug that makes them lose their memories of the last hour and a half. So, the... They'll be put into this game, they'll learn something, and then they're uh, put back to sleep with no memories intact. But sometimes, uh, depending on how the game goes, this uh, the mastermind of this game, known as Zero, just like in the other games, um, will let them retain their memories because maybe there are some events events that happen that he doesn't want them, he or she doesn't want them to forget. Sure. So, it's uh, that's all I could really say without spoiling anything else. Uh <laughs> I mean, if you have any questions, I can uh, I can try answering them. But I, I've it's a great conclusion to the trilogy. I just there are some things that I miffed about that Aaron and I were both miffed about in the review. That this is a game that from the get go had some limitations 
placed upon it because of how it relates to the other games. But at the same time, there are also there are also clear indications that they were obviously working with a restrictive budget and restrictive time, and that kind of That's breaks my heart because it it does break the overall quality of the game, the overall presentation, and then of course some of the stilted animations and voice acting. Some obvious shortcuts. Yeah, but, but oh, I I think people people will love it. People will enjoy it. And uh, I'm I'm just glad that this game was able to be made because it, if not for you know uh, support from the fans, uh, this game would would wouldn't have never even been made. Like Uchi has gone on record, Uchi Koshi, the main scenario writer of this game, uh, has gone on record and says that he, he was there was very much a point in time where everything was against like the odds of this game being made, whether it's funding or contracts, etc. Behind the scenes, and it just, there was just a, t- a grim time where it's like, oh shit, we'll never get. The third and final Zero Escape uh, piece to like finally wrap up this trilogy. Yeah, it was actually at E3. I was talking to someone who works at Axis, and they were like, they were flirting the idea of going to Kickstarter with this. But then it was the problem of that is not only is there like a stigma surrounding any games that go to Kickstarter, like expectations mm-hmm. that are made, yeah. but it also can cause issues with like the budget and you know people. Well, it is actually it's a lot about expectations, right? Well, yeah, and then, think and then, they have their idea about how much a game costs to make if they yeah. only fund like a million dollars of it or something. Like, yeah, that's not enough. That, 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 that's the unfortunate like uh, re, uh, result of Kickstarter recently is like people see that uh, final number that they need to get to, and then they assume that's like that's the overall budget for a game that it takes to be made, which is yeah. totally it couldn't be farther from the truth. But that's the reality of it, unfortunately. Yeah, and we're talking like stretch calls and things like that. It's like we know it's going to be on Vita and 3DS. We know it's going to come to Steam in a few days. So the promises that people expect out of that, it's it, it can just be cause. Not to mention, it, it, they might make a bad Kickstarter. So yeah, uh, try to get help to make something like that. All the effort that goes into that, why not just put it in the game itself? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, but, that's what I've been uh, working on. And so yeah, Zero Time Dilemma. Uh, once again, we've got a review up on the site, rpgsite.net. Um, <clears throat> uh, you guys should read that. Definitely. It's very long, <laughs> very detailed. Uh, as you mentioned before, there's no real spoilers in that review either. We obviously respect people that want to play this game, especially if it's pre-release when we put up these pieces. And so make sure to um, give it a go, give it a read if you're still on the fence. I'm sure a lot of people are already couldn't buy the game no matter what anyway but i guess it's kind of nice to know what you're getting into before it happens so mm-hmm. all right so we've got that now adam you have been preparing yourself for a new rpg yeah. that alice is localizing you've been playing the seventh dragon games yeah so i remember when seventh dragon 3 was announced for japan this was after i don't even, i don't know if i'm going to pronounce this correctly image epoch um yeah. the developer yeah, it's, it's image epoch or something like that. That's that's pronounced way, yeah, image epoch. Yeah, and um, so they're the developer of these games, and then they kind of folded and no longer. <laughs> it was exist. it was the president, I, and uh, then the president the, like went AWOL for a while. It was before that president like yeah went AWOL. He could not be located. Oh yeah, contacted. That, that was people thing. on Twitter. Holy people shit. using Twitter to try to contact the president, and then eventually because they didn't have a president, the company folded. <laughs> so. Yeah, so, oh, God, so, so it was like, yeah, yeah, and so that was weird. And Wait then. At. Then, like, Sega acquired... Well, Sega already published a bunch of Image Epoch games. Yeah. Um, but they kind of just, like, assimilated, like, the staff, I guess. Um, Sega of Japan, that is. And then, so shortly afterwards, they announced this game, the third game, 
So this is the first in the series. It's not technically developed by Image Epoch, but it's obviously, I think, has a lot of the same staff on it. And it's also, they also was announced for localization by Sega, which uh, I never expected to happen, considering none of the other games were localized. But it was also, this is also after the acquisition of Atlas is fully done yeah. uh, by Sega. And so, um, and there was actually some interviews in recently basically said that that acquisition of Atlas USA, um, or of Atlas, Atlas USA is able to do more work on these types of things, like with Yakuza and this. So that's kind of what allows them to localize this game now. Um, so anyways... A lot of left field, that's for sure. Yeah, so it was kind of... We didn't expect it, and I, uh, I'm reviewing it. But before I wanted to play this game, the I know uh, Sega... It's technically a Sega game, but Atlas is, has been open that they're the ones who localized it for them. Uh, but um, I wanted to play the other games in the series first. Even though they said that it's standalone and self-contained, I kind of the completionist in me, like, I want to see... I want to kind of play up to it. I want to see you know, how the series trended to that. So I played the original games, and I actually just, I played them in Japanese. I know some of them have uh, translations, like fan translations, but I just played them in Japanese with some wikis and things. Um, and I, not to get too much in the, into the first couple of games, there's the original game, which is Seventh Dragon on, on DS, which the simplest, shortest way to explain it, it's like Etrian Odyssey, only without dungeon crawling. It's just a world map with dungeons, like normal dungeons. Oh, okay. um, but it's got a very similar type of battle system uh, and so class still, system. It still has like the, like the front rows and the back rows in it? Uh, actually, it's a, a chippified characters, though, at least. Well, it's, it's only... The first game was four characters, and you could choose which are in the front and which are in the back. Um, but it had a very Etrian Odyssey feel to it and class system. Um, you could put all the characters in the front and all the characters in the back, whatever you wanted to do. Uh and then there's a Seventh Dragon 2020 games. There's two of them: Seventh Dragon 2020 and Seventh Dragon 2022. Uh, kind of a wordplay. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So is the title 2022 like 2020 like dash two or Roman it's 2020? Yeah, yeah. It's like 2020 dash ii, like Roman oh, numeral yeah. for two. Jap- Japanese titles, right? Uh, <laughs> and so those games were a little bit different. They took away the world map. They took away a few other things, and it's instead more of a streamlined experience where you're kind of going into these dungeons and they're pretty simple. They're, it's not like a dungeon crawler, so it's not first person. You get to see your icon, and you run into other characters or monsters on the field. Is it like, like that. Persona kind of style at that? Yeah, point? It's, it, I mean, it's got like the it's like an overhead view. You see your character walking, running around. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you run into the uh, you uh, actually the enemy icons are not on screen. They're random. Um, some enemy icons are on screen, and those are basically the equivalent of Etrian Odyssey FOEs. Boss characters um, or mini yeah, bosses. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, there's some, there's already some connection between those two games I, I caught because of similar characters that show up in both games. Um, even though the 2020 series is considered a side sequel, so it's, it's not like a sequel, but kind of the same, it's like the same world, but different. It's weird. Well, anyways, yeah, okay. Uh, anyways, this third game, they, uh, Sega said you don't have to play the other ones, but I start playing it, and there's like direct references to the first two games, and including things like, this character that was in this first game is now back in some form. And there's, in fact, a character that's basically in all the games who shows up again. And there's, without... Um, I'm still under embargo, so I can't really talk about this game specifically, and also I don't want to spoil things, but there are some, there are certain scenes in the game that I feel like would lose a lot of impact if this was your introduction to a character. Oh, sure, okay. sure. Because of, like, uh, the, the time that you're spending with the character in this game is truncated, but me, I know what that character did in the previous games. Um, 
So like, it feels like on its own, not only would it be more confusing because like it's, they're, they're making winks and nods all over the place, honestly, to the other games. And but not only that, I think it just loses some of the impact when you're coming to like, when you're talking about the story elements of it. So it's, it's kind of weird. It's the it's the new Seventh Dragon three game. Does its event like would you not understand like its like backdrop or premise if you didn't have the knowledge of the previous games? Okay, let me let me go into a little bit more detail. So, at the very onset of this game, uh, of Seventh Dragon three, which is the fourth game in the series, uh, <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> uh, they kind of go into they kind of tell the player because it's in your 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 player avatar, uh, kind of like the original like kind of like Etrian Odyssey games your player characters not the not the Etrian Odyssey untold but the original games your player characters don't really have a personality or a voice or anything they're kind of like a blank state and right and basically the story are the characters they interact with the NPCs Mm um and at the very beginning of the game they kind of the NPCs are explaining to you the character what happened in the other games so it kind of explains to you like, oh, in Seventh Dragon 2020, in Tokyo in the year 2020, there's this group called Murakumo, uh, and they fought off the dragons, and this is what they did, and their leader was named this. So it kind of explains it to you. But it's, you know, it's not the same thing if you didn't really see it yourself. Right. Um, and then uh, later in the game, you meet two important characters. They're called the Hypno Sisters, uh, Emil and Itel. And they show up in the other games, and they're kind of pretty important characters. And... Uh, some of the side, there are side quests in this game, kind of like uh, a lot of RPGs are just, you know, fetch quests or talking to certain NBCs, kind of expand the story a bit. Some of those side quests explain some of the other happenings a little bit. Um, so they kind of give you a glimpse of the other games, but still there are things that just don't really, you know, make as much sense without having played those. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, Itel, one of the characters, when you first meet her, she's talking about, I'm looking for someone. There's this person I'm looking for. Where do I find them? And I know exactly who she's talking about. It's a character from the other games, but it doesn't tell you in this game. I think it tells you, it told me eventually in a side quest, kind of what it, who that character was. But like <laughs> that cutscene where she's talking about that, like it wouldn't make any sense if you, like, what is she babbling about if you didn't know? <laughs> and, and just um, to clarify, Seventh Dragon 3 is, is the first of the Seventh Dragon games being localized officially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was okay. never localized before. Okay. It's the very first one, that's for sure. And there's also a couple of jokes, like, or there's a couple of other things. For for example, the, one of the, the the first major boss you fight in this game is the final boss from the from Seventh Dragon 2020, hmm. kind of like uh, a different form of them. So kind of it's like you, you don't need to know that, but it's kind of a wink and a nod uh, to that. And then there's also a couple of jokes. For instance, the, like the quest counter girl, she jokes like, "I want you to collect a hundred feathers from enemies and 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 give them to me." And then she she's saying that's a joke. And if you didn't know, <laughs> it, uh... well, if she didn't if you didn't know, it'd be like, okay, that what was what, I don't know, what was that coming from? Well, in the original Seventh Dragon game, there actually was a quest to collect a hundred feathers. So <laughs> oh, it's, okay. it's it's directly re- it's directly referring to that. And like if you didn't know that, it's kind of just kind of a seems that's like a, a lot of in jokes. Yeah, that's yeah. that seems then, kind of heavy. And then one of the uh, another major boss in the game was the final boss of the first Seven Dragon um, game. <laughs> So, like, these final bosses kind of come back in a different form. Um, and he has a cannon on his back. So it's, 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 like, a, it's like a spider dragon thing with a cannon on his back. Um, and he says, like, this cannon was the cannon uh, you used against me in the past. 
And like, it doesn't make any sense, but that's again, the vent in the first game. It's weird that that's all in English. Cause it's like people localize it and had it in their minds. Right. Like this people had, they had to play a Japanese only game. Right. <laughs> so I don't understand this. Yeah. yeah but so... there, there's no way I would, I wouldn't want them to like change that at all though. Like, sure. Well, it's, it's the difference between like direct localization and like, yeah. if there's like some sort of, is there like some sort of encyclopedia to understand this stuff or is it all supposed no, to be explained in the game? It's, it, there's no encyclopedia. But some of the side quests, so the, the main premise of this game, if you've paid attention to any of it, was is time travel, actually. You kind of go to three different periods in time. Um, you go to the far future, the far past, and then, like, you kind of talk about current Tokyo. And that's kind of also, like, the, well, this is a slight spoiler, maybe, but the far future is actually what, where the original Seventh Dragon takes place. Um, so the, the actual city that you go to is, the, is a city called Kazan. And that's the main hub town of the original Seventh Dragon again. So it's like, it's, it, I, I just felt that was really weird how, like, they say you don't need to know the other games. And that's probably true, but there's just so many different references I wouldn't have caught if I didn't, like, play through them. Um, it sounds like, like, an Arno Surge, you'd be better off, like, reading up guides and stuff like that of the previous game so that you understand what's going on. Because, like, an Arno Surge, it lost its impact. But um, Sionor Surge was never localized, so you couldn't get it. Right. So it, like it, I wouldn't say you have to play the other games to understand it, but there's sure. so many things you miss if you don't and it's it kind of makes the localization decision kind of weird cuz it's like not as standalone as I was thinking it would be. Um it actually kind of bridges I know I know some of the name name throwing I've been throwing out probably has gotten a little confusing, but it actually kind of bridges some of the events between the original 7th Dragon and 7th Dragon 2020 actually cuz it's got that time travel element to it. So it actually kind of connects those two games more than they were connected in the first place. Um, and so it's now the main premise of the game is to basically defeat the seven true dragons. And the problem is they show up in different time periods. So that's why you're going to different time periods and you're meeting these dragons again that appear in the other games. So kind of by its, by its premise alone, it kind of has to connect with the other games. It's just, so anyways, talking about the game itself, it's a class system, turn-based game, and it's I'll probably talk about it more in a later podcast, but it's basically kind of straightforward, actually, from what you'd expect. You have eight different classes. They all do various things, and some of them are pretty unique um, in what they can do. So they're, they're not, it's not just a typical knight, medic, mage. There are some classes that kind of work like that, but there's a couple of very unique... Um, cases for example there's a class that uses a deck of cards and depending on the cards in their deck they can do different things and they can create traps and they can do um different types of abilities based on the type of cards they have in their hands so that's a little bit different that's just one example um but otherwise i'm still playing through it and i guess i'll probably leave it at that for now all right when's that that game coming out uh mid-july i think mid-july for the 3ds yeah, and actually, I think like Silicon Era, the website actually posted a, a kind of a beginner's guide. Like, this is what you need to know before playing. They kind of like, maybe they had the same thought I did. Like, there's a lot of things that if you don't know, um, it's going to be not as maybe it's not going to make as much sense as, as if you did play through those other games. So I think Silicon Era has a piece on that. Yeah, um, that's that makes perfect sense. That oh, it looks, it it looks like it comes out uh, June or July 12th. July 12th. So. For 3DS. Since Imagey Poke like 
or Puck or whatever uh, is like now kind of Epoch dead. Uh, so where does the seventh? Who owns the seventh Dragon IP now? Does just Sega? Sega. Have a blanket? Sega. I think I think this is technically on paper considered developed and published by Sega. Um, yeah, so. they went to like different areas. Like uh, Luminous Arc is still with Marvelous, just like Rune Factory and all those other things. It's like it's they got moved around uh, to different publishers, but yeah, Sega should own the Seventh Dragon main. Who knows if they're going to make any more though? I doubt it. This is probably it for it. And this this game, if anyone has played the Seventh Dragon twenty twenty games, it actually basically borrows the character, the some of the enemy models, and even some of the dungeon layouts from those games. So it's very similar to those on PSP. Um, it's it, it, you can kind of tell like this is meant to be a follow-up to that for some reason it's on 3ds but i guess it just jumps platforms sometimes just more popular obviously it seems like that when it yeah. was when it was developed and when it was released the 3ds obviously way more popular so that makes sense um yeah so look forward I'll to talk about it more later yeah yeah we'll look forward to a review from you on that game coming up um as for me i just spent the week after e3 playing the witcher 3 because i saw I, I got to meet CD Projekt Red, and when I walked in and saw Gwent and got excited for the card game, I was like, you know, I really should go back and beat that game because I feel like I'm pretty close to the end. And so I went back, spent longer than I thought it was to get to the end, but that was because I was busy doing a bunch of other stuff because that game can really lead you off the main trail if you're not paying attention to like all these side quests and other things that you could be leveling up. So I spent uh, the first few days leveling up my character to like level 50, um, which I, I I was able to, and that was mostly just to build the character the way I wanted him to. So I've got like this super overpowered character on the right below the hardest difficulty in the game. I think the highest difficulty is called Death March, and I was like right below that one. How many hours did it uh, take you to finish the game? Like from where you were, like when you last left off, to like how when you finally finished it. Well, you see, the problem with Witcher 3 on the PlayStation 4, it had that problem like a lot of early PS4 games had, is that if you use the rest mode, um, then it did not stop the timer. Oh, so shit. it just kept going. So according to the game, I had about 600 hours, like, oh, <laughs> like over 500 hours in that game, and I'm pretty sure that's not the case. I would say I maybe spent about oh, around 100. You know, it was a lot of, I spent a lot of time just running around in that game. Like I didn't, in the early parts of that game, I never fast-traveled. I was always on horseback just because I wanted to, you know, see the world, experience it, really get myself absorbed into it. But also because there's different side quests you can get that you'll miss if you don't run around, like things that could be happening on the side of the road. There's also like bandit attacks, uh, little settlements that you have to uh, recover from monsters that have overtaken like say for example there's like an inn that was taken over by monsters if you get rid of the monsters it becomes inhabited again by humans and that kind of thing uh so i spent like around 100 hours and i I, the thing that i had an issue with early um back when i was playing it normally like i I was i hadn't played the game since october Mm -hmm. the thing that got annoying at the time was whenever you loaded a game it had that little cinematic that was telling you what was going on Coming back to that game just a week ago, I actually really appreciated it because I forgot a lot about the, the plot of that game right. and where I was at. Because I didn't want to start all over because I had spent so much time on this character. Um, and I really appreciated that. And so I was able to... The, the great thing about that game is that is even if I left that game so many times, every time I came back, it kind of caught me and wrapped me up into its fun mechanics and cool story and interesting side quests. And yeah, I, lo- like I love when games characters. do that, like uh, a considerable job, like catching the player up to like the to present events. So, Absolutely. 
like I, I always there are some RPGs that I wish I could come back to, but they're they're so like they're kind of like early era PS2 RPGs. Let's say that like I can't I can never go back to because I load it up and I see that I have like maybe 40 hours into it, but I have no idea what the hell is going on. So I just it's super frustrating. It's like I can't complete this. I have no idea what the hell, where the hell I'm supposed and, to go. And, and you have to content. like you have to talk you have to talk to like one NPC somewhere to continue the story, and you have no idea who. Yeah. And then you just, like, <laughs> I can either talk to every single person in the world or find something else to do. Yeah. No. I I usually in The Witcher Three. Whenever I got lost, it was either opening up this encyclopedia, reading the quest that I'd completed, and I'm, I'm currently on because. Uh, the good thing about that game is that the journal entries are very detailed. There's also a lot of books and things like that you can read to kind of catch yourself up on the lore and understand what's going on. And so that's pretty much what I did for like the first hour or two was just trying to get a refresher for where I was at. Because like I said, I was near the end. So clearly there's a lot of stuff. And I remembered a lot of it, of course. Like a lot of those events and characters are so memorable that I did not have that big a problem. Um, I, I give myself more credit than that that I can catch myself up on what was happening. And once I did, I realized, um, I, I kind of checked at it before I moved forward, is that I was at a, um, uh, a fork in the road in the story and that I was about to go down to the ending. And so what I had to do was decide, because um, the game has multiple endings. I already knew that a long time ago. And so I, I kind of had to decide what I wanted to do towards the end of the game. And so what I did I made decisions that adhered more to the books of The Witcher that I've read. And so it was um, uh, by making those choices, it actually made the ending very satisfying for me. Uh, the ending, um, the way that the game wraps up, because this is the end of the trilogy, right? So this is Geralt's, this is his final game. And so the whole point is that they're supposed to create um, hopefully satisfying endings for all these characters and kind of wrap things up and, and, really fit things. We were talking about the zero time dilemma and, and the issues it faced, uh, trying to get yourself familiar. It's the same here. And also this, I guess it's also like seven dragon in that, um, starting with this game, uh, can cause issues. Cause you don't understand some of these characters. Like there's these sorcerers that you meet that, uh, sorceresses, I should say, uh, this lodge in the Witcher three that has characters that were in Witcher two and Witcher one. And some crazy things happen in Witcher 3 that would not have anywhere near the impact if you had only came into this game uh, as your first experience with the Witcher series. Right. And so that's why I always recommend to people, the mechanics in Witcher 1 are extremely different from 2 and 3. 2 is also kind of different in that it was an attempt at an open world, but they kind of failed in some respects in that point. Witcher 3 is kind of their uh, their, ep their epitome. Their, 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 they finally have the budget to really put forth the image yeah. that they wanted for the Witcher in the first place. It's like um, a culmination of like all the lessons they've learned from the past games along with thanks to like Witcher 2's like popularity, like they were able to really fully realize their vision, I say with uh, with the uh, Witcher 3. Yeah, that's and that's the crazy thing is that um I was looking back at this and I remembered posting about this before is that when they when CD Project was first trying to port the, the original Witcher to the consoles they that that project was canceled. It was called like the the white something or other. I'm actually kind of forgetting what it was called. But that almost bankrupted them. They almost went out of business because of their the money that they spent trying to port that. Damn. We know, yeah, exactly, right. Um, we would not be seeing that because CD Projekt they made their fortunes just porting games to uh, like localizing games in Polish and and basically in, in Europe, uh, uh, bringing games over to Europe, and so. 
by trying to do something uh, as big as that, they almost went under. Uh, we are we know of course that Witcher Two came to consoles. I'm talking about the original Witcher, and I can only imagine how difficult that whole process could have potentially been, just because there's three different stances in the Witcher, the original, that you had to use. Uh, now you can just pull out a silver sword or a steel sword, and the original was like different stance that you use, and it was like powerful stance and like a, a quick lightning attack stance, things like that. You can kind of get uh, pick that up when you look at the different skills that you could unlock. Before it was different stances, it was really bizarre um, and difficult at times to understand. Once it got to grips with that, you really could see, even if it was like. You could tell that these guys were working on a budget. The original Witcher um, had a lot of potential, and the world was, of course, very interesting, very cool characters. Everything looks a lot different now, though. Uh, much more big-budget style, as you can believe. It still looks drop-dead gorgeous. Like I don't think Witcher 3 will ever be considered a poor-looking game oh, like, no. uh, 10 years Not from now. It. Absolutely. It still looks great. Um, uh, things that really catch me off guard running around, especially towards the end of the game, <clears throat> they do some crazy things with the with the uh, environment, with the places that you go to, and the things, the battles that are going on as you reach the conclusion that blew me away. Uh, like uh, things I had never saw in a video game before, like could pull off, especially on a console. Like I'm on a PlayStation 4, um, and it looked amazing. I mean, people like to hold up the PC release of that game, but the consoles aren't any slouches. And so uh, I had a great time moving my way towards the end. We would have done a podcast yesterday if it wasn't for the fact that I got so <laughs> lost in this game, I did not want to stop. <clears throat> for me. sure. Excuse me, got a, still got a cold from E3. But, yeah, uh, I, I haven't played The Witcher 3, but I'm I'm going to someday. <laughs> you really, it's, and, the, it's, it's the thing is that, the funny thing was is that I beat that game, um, like that difficulty, and I had an ultra-rare trophy for just beating the game. And I was thinking... There's a lot of people who have played a lot of this game but never beat it. Yeah, there's yeah, there seems to be like a, like an overwhelming like percentage of like people who picked up Witcher Three that never got a chance to finish it because it like it is a humongous game. Absolutely, it's it's so easy to get lost and overwhelmed and intimidated. That's the thing. It's like even trophies for completing chapters and story uh, things. It was still like really low percentage. Like we're talking about in the teens, just for doing simple story chapters. And like I said beating the game on a difficulty i think the platinum trophy in that game was like less than one percent you might have said this and i might have missed it did you play the like any of the expansions like blood and wine no i was going to mention that is that um i know I blood and wine is apparently like another 40 hours i don't know if that's an exaggeration but it's apparently pretty long yeah the the expansions are about the size of witcher 2 and in, in, in scope and also by length and so yeah you've got like I think it's um, Hearts of Stone and Blood and Wine. They're both not really story-related. And I should say, like, um, it's not like it's continuing the plot of Witcher 3. It's mostly, like, Geralt going after certain game. Like, it's I think in Hearts of Stone, you're going off of this thing called, like, the Man of Glass. Uh, that's just this mysterious character. And then Blood and Wine is about... Um, uh, finds, like, uh, this monster that's been messing up Nefgardian, uh the Nefgardian army. Uh, so it's, it's like that kind of thing. But apparently they're both like really highly acclaimed. Like people seem to really love those expansion packs even more than the original Witcher 3. And so I'm excited to check that out. I just, I don't have the budget for it right now, but I, once those things go on sale, I'm, I definitely want to pick it up way sooner than later because I don't want to lose any of the um, the knowledge that I've gained and, the, and, and the, my my memory of, of 
the conclusion of that story. But um, I would still, yeah, highly recommend it. People seem to like kind of say, you know, nothing really happens after the Red Baron quest, which we've talked about on our podcast, our Game of the Year podcast. We had um, how insane that whole plot point was but towards the end of the game it also gets pretty exciting um just like that one was but it, it does this thing like a kind of a bell curve i won't say witcher 3 is always good there's definitely points where it gets kind of frustrating not just with the the control mechanics but also like the quests aren't as interesting as it was towards it's it's really like um front-loaded and then they just push a lot of the more interesting stuff to the back as well so in the middle you've got kind of a well of, of, of stuff that you you actually care about. But um, it really picks up. So I'm happy I actually beat that game. That was the one thing I, I wish I did last year that I didn't. And now I've got to look towards games of this year so that I'm actually prepared for our Game of the Year podcast because there's still a lot of games I've yet to play that came out this year. Yeah, it's going to be a stacked year for that, for sure. Yeah, and so that's, that's actually uh, something that I, I... Even if I play those expansions, I guess... Makes me wonder if we'll consider the expansions because Hearts, I mean, yeah, um, Blood and Wine just came out like a month ago. And I have so, an like, Alex will put it there. Let's yeah, I th- I'd, love to, I'd love to include it. He's played it. I've yet to play it, so yeah, I just need to play it as well. Do you know, like, if you if like, there's anything that transfers over, like character data or something that goes that gets transferred over to those expansions? I think it's just the same data. It's just that you're, you're it's just like in Dark Souls or something like that. It just opens up a quest um, on your game that you go to this place, and you experience that. Because um, Witcher Three, it does have a new game plus feature um, that I've yet to try out, so I don't know what happens there. But um, I would assume it's yeah, just it's just like that. You install the expansion, and then you just go to this certain area and um, experience it, like a different a different piece of land. Because the map is still huge. In The Witcher Three, but there's definitely places where you don't go to that. I imagine that's where you need to go to to go for the expansions. So I assume they're just like parts of the map. That's all it is. Okay. All right. Yeah, but that's pretty much what I've been playing for The Witcher Three. I've got stuff on my plate for this upcoming week. I've got uh, Fairy Fencer F. Uh, was it Dark Advent Force? I think Advent Dark Force. Advent Dark Force. I messed that up. Uh, but that's we've got that. I think God Eater Resurrection. I, I guess I'll be covering that. Um, that's out this week, but I'll be picking that up. But we've got other stuff to be re- reviewed. Everyone else has got. So I'm sure we're, we're all pretty busy at this point. Yeah, it's just... there's a lot of games coming out. <laughs> there, it's, there's nothing really. Like it's gonna be a pretty busy summer all around. Absolutely, and it's crazy because like. Just like, looking at the review document, there's a ton of games that aren't even out yet that are still in the summer. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm gonna be working on Grand Kingdom next. There's Star Ocean coming out this week. Tokyo Mirage Sessions just barely came out, which none of us here, unfortunately, haven't hasn't played yet. But we are very. It favorite. got huge reviews, and yeah. even like you yeah, know, like a lot it. of the big sites that um, got it, uh, much bigger than us uh, gave it overwhelmingly positive, positive reviews. So I'm excited to play it. Uh, David. One, one thing that I heard about this game that kind of immediately perked up my interest. I was always interested in this, but one thing I heard Percolated. is that it's a, it's a lot like uh, Strange Journey, SMT Strange Journey, in terms of the battle system, and it's like an improved version of that, which is like the Demon Co-op, which is like, whoa, that's, that's weird. I didn't oh yeah, it, that. Definitely has, it definitely has that. I've seen that in trailers. That's, that's what it is. Is like the session system. You, if you weaken an element, you have your friends join in and you can do like chain attacks um and then the enemy can do that too um 
in some fashion. I haven't played it, of course, but like that, that kind of perked up my interest. It's like kind of has these other elements from other SMT games with this kind of persona Japanese is wrapping around it so yeah. i'm interested my only experience with that game is watching one of the concerts that had take place on the K- <laughs> the j-pop concerts and uh, i love the music and so i really wanted to give it a try and so I, i'm sure by next podcast either one more of us or maybe more have well played that game and could give it the proper look but we do have a review up on the site david uh was kind enough to cover that game gave it a nine out of ten spoilers uh, so uh, just give it a ch- uh, try, see what it's like. Um, but I think that's going to be one of the standout hits. It's just unfortunate that it came out at this time on the Wii U when that is going to be the last year Japanese RPG, I'm sure, before the NX comes out. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other Wii U titles that'll only come out before the NX. I got, yeah, like a, the only, I, the only like, one no, I can think none. of is I, I the only think, one I can think of is Paper Mario. And it's not a, it, barely it, an RPG. No, it's it, not even it, RPG. It, yeah, There's no leveling. That's yeah, the at all anymore. So. Wait, yeah, I, thought the, I thought the new Paper Mario was 3DS. It's Wii U. It's yes. Wii U. Yeah, oh, it's only okay. for Wii U. Oh, all right. Actually, yeah. I can't even think of any other Wii U games other than that. Yeah, the, I, the, there, I, there's the Mario and Sonic Olympic game, which they do all the time, and there's probably like a Just Zelda. Oh yeah, but Zelda. Zelda's not a real Zelda. Game. Whatever. It's, Zelda. it's already on NX. Just Dance 2017. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's just a, that. That's pretty much what we've been playing. But yeah, we'll have a ton of stuff to talk about. So let's just go ahead and move into the news. Um, now, obviously, we talked a lot about the news last the last podcast and during E3, a lot of people didn't want to get buried by the. Um, by the onslaught of news that we were receiving. Um, before I get to some of the other stuff, um, I didn't put this down on our document that we've got up, but Katakawa Games had an E3 brief- a briefing as well. Well, at least it was a briefing that took place during E3. Did anything come of that? Uh, it was like, we got like Root Letter, uh, P-Cube, think... which did Steins Gate is localizing that game for the fall. We know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. What, else, what other games did they have under their blanket that really came out of it? I know they said something about Yomiwo Yosaku Hana. That was actually no. That was um, that yeah. That was experience. They did a Twitter uh, Q and A, and they basically just said, "Yeah, we got a plan for the West." And so that's. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that was announced. I don't think it was announced over there. I'm trying to think of like what was announced gonna, there because because look. when uh, when Kadokawa was having this event, there was like no, there was no live streams, no really nothing being. I I, I remember there's some tweets going out. I don't remember what they said because it's, I'm, it's I'm, happening. I'm gonna look this up. I'm gonna. They, they said something about Demon Gaze two there for sure. Oh. Yeah, Demon Gaze two. But we kind of uh, anyone who reads our Twitter got some of the pics from like Famitsu. They already were posted about that. Um, like, like God that, Wars. I oh yeah, Root Letter and God Wars. Like Root Letter barely came out in Japan just like a week ago, I think. Yeah. Um, actually, but, it's always this past week. Actually, we're still waiting for. Um, a date on the English version. There, there is an English version coming out for Root Letter and God Wars. But what's what's God Wars? I forget what that. I is. think that's the strategy RPG type of deal. I don't know too much about it. I just know it's a strategy RPG that's set in uh, like a fantasy Japan. I want to say. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was like that weird game. I mean, it, it's some cool art. But yeah, um... yeah. I know it's like set in like ancient Japan or. or... Yeah, I remember seeing like some of the pictures. It's very stylized, um, which is awesome. Um, yeah. And I think it actually, I think that it's also coming to the West as well because they had like, um, 
I don't know if this is like a fan made. Let me let me check this out. No, I remember they said Root Letter and God Wars when they first announced. Well, shortly after they announced them, they said they would. That's come right. Over the it's got a, That's right. It's going to be localized as well, yeah. and it's got a really cool style to it. I remember posting art for it, and it's like I said, the art looks great. It's got. I mean, the character models themselves seem very uh, miniaturized, but the artwork for the portraits are incredible. So that's that's exciting. Um, I'm just looking through too much old news now. Okay, so that's that's. I just wanted to briefly touch on that because um, we never really talked about yeah. it. But the big thing that came out that we that came pre E3 but post our last podcast was a Final Fantasy XII HD remaster called the Zodiac Age. Right, and that was even playable at E3. That was playable. I got a chance to play it. Now I'm not a <clears throat> huge fan final fantasy 12 i think they made some real mistakes when they try to wrap up that story but um this is supposed to be the international uh, excuse me the zodiac what's it called international, international zodiac. zodiac job system job system yeah it's it's basically got more jobs more gambits more licenses um but it's did they do anything any changes to, like the mechanics of the game beyond that well, well yeah. i think the, now the, the job one at a time one at a time <laughs> Yeah. I, I I don't maybe Josh knows more of the specifics, specifics than I do, but in the original game, you didn't like have any. There was no job. You basically just used the license board to get whatever skills or licenses you wanted. Yeah. And the only thing that really separated the characters like from each other was their like quickenings, um, their like special attacks. But otherwise, you could make any character any job or position or they could equip anything, whatever you basically decided to have them. However, however you decided to tr- to target their license board. But I think in the job system, you can actually like pick a set class and then work towards that. It kind of differentiates characters a little bit uh, in terms of their roles and things. I don't know the, some of the specifics, though. And I, I've heard, I know some people who really love that. And I also know some people who aren't so much a fan of that. They like the original system. So yeah, it's because in the Zodiac job system, since there's 12 license boards now, and uh, they, once you like a character chooses a job, it's like it's, it's set. It can't be changed. So that's uh, one of the main big complaints. Like, oh, people really liked it back then. It was more flexible, and this it's much more set. So people have, uh, if you, there are certain characters that are more uh, attuned for certain jobs, but if you kind of lock them into that, they're kind of screwed and being underutilized. In that Jeez. sense. All right. Yeah. So I mean, I didn't want to dwell on this too much because yeah. we do have a whole Square Enix podcast where we did talk about Final Fantasy XII: The Zodiac Age. But I did want to bring that up. Yeah. There, there, there are a little bit more like. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure people knew about it. I'm yeah. sure we're not like explaining something For, that. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. under a rock. Exactly. But the, I guess one of the big things in, uh, in the Zodiac job system as well is you also can control both guests and espers now. Yeah. Um, That's really good. Yeah. It, definitely. Um, you already mentioned uh, gambits. I think that's really the only thing. No, those just the, the quickening. Well, they they all, well. I mean, yeah. Besides the quickening, the special they, abilities. They have, that uh, the, what's it the, called in the zodiac? Is it like mist something? I don't know. I, I've never I've, I never played the, the zodiac. It's version, been a really so. long while. I, I think it was called the mist knack gauge. Like since quickenings, like the big special abilities, they don't take up uh, MP anymore. Like the the mist knack is like the the separate gauge for quickenings now. I, yeah. I can't even I can't even understand what you're saying. Misnack, <laughs> mi, mi, like miss and then K N A C K. Huh? <laughs> like it, like like the PS4's yeah. best game, Knack. Well, yeah. so and and so obviously besides the uh, um, using that version of the game, they also uh, are going to have uh, an alternative soundtrack, kind of like Final Fantasy X did HD, and also yeah. um, they're supposed to be 
remastering the audio, but during, and this was mentioned on our podcast on the Square Enix, but um, at the build that they showed at E3 did had the old audio, and it was weird, this weird contrast between these better visuals and still sound like you're talking in a tunnel. It was really bad. Like it was very noticeable, very awful. I think that was like one of my biggest complaints about the original was that I had a hard time paying attention to the story because the voice acting was so hollow sounding. It was really bizarre that they even let this pass. But uh, they did say, and this was mentioned like a long time ago when they first announced it. It wasn't even that long ago. It was like a few weeks ago. But uh, that like they, yeah. yeah, that they were. It wasn't even like that. I don't think it was even that long ago. Um, that they were. I think it was even just like a few weeks ago. But um, when they announced this game for the first time, but uh, they were going to fix that. It's just not in this build. The game's out in 2017, so it makes sense that a lot of the stuff that they're promising isn't there yet. This is like a very small demo, but. Um, the stuff that I got to play was pretty fun, and um, you know, I didn't, I didn't actually get to see any of the changes that were made because it's so early game. Uh, it was basically before you knew some of these characters. They were introducing characters in the demo that they had at E3, so it was obviously yeah. early game. Um, They're just showing off the visuals mainly. Exactly. Now, the one I'm actually very excited about is that um, instead of making a new version, they announced Phantom Dust Remastered for 2017. I'm a big fan. Of the original Phantom Dust, I'm excited that at least it's going to come out in some form, probably just to build up interest for it. But anyone else besides me a fan of Phantom I'm, Dust? I'm a big fan of Dust person. I was very, very uh, excited for it. I forgot. Is this part of the hey. Xbox Anywhere thing? Yes, it is a Play Anywhere, yeah. which means that if you it's cross-platform, but also if you buy it on the Xbox One, you get it uh, for Windows 10 free. It's only coming out on the Xbox One, but I think it's um, it's got that release too. Yeah. Um. It should be so on- wait one second. One second. Yeah, I I don't know anything, literally anything about Phantom Dust. What well, is Phantom let me Dust? let me explain. Okay, so um, I'll, I'll do this. It's Phantom Dust. So this is from the uh, the guy who made Panzer Dragoon. He's the, the mastermind of Panzer Dragoon. It's from the from the maker of that. So the whole game, it's like this um, post-apocalyptic. The world is kind of like covered in this dust, this mysterious dust that's been causing um, dust. Exactly. It's it causes like memory loss, but also um, it gives like certain people espers as they're called uh, psychic powers so they have the, these magical abilities and so uh, they can only the, a lot of human most of the human race is kind of like gone under un, under their uh, they have gone underground so they're trying to avoid this crazy dust that's crazy that's spreading around but these humans can actually go up on on the planet uh, for a certain span of time thanks to their their powers that they've got but uh, the game itself, I mean, and all this is told like in cinematics. It's a pretty decent sized uh, single player story campaign with cinematics and great looking art. Uh, but the gameplay itself is kind of say it's um, it's Magic the Gathering meets third person arena fighting, <laughs> and in that you use cards. Uh, so what what the the way the whole gameplay works is that you have uh, a deck of cards. In, in a sense, it's that uh, you have like, and they're all like abilities. So like this, this ability gives you the ability to cast uh, Blizzard. But then there's also this card that gives you more to your defense um, and other buffs and things like that. Um, this reminds me of Bait and, bait and Kaidos. It, it kind of is. It kind of yeah. is in a sense. So when you start the game, um, you're you just are dropped down, and um, there's like these orbs that are spread around the arena that is part of your deck. So say you've got like. I think it's you had a maximum of like 30 different abilities that you could 
uh, assign um, like 30 slots that you can assign skills to. And so the game pulls from your deck and drops them in as, as these orbs on the ground. These are your skills. So you run around picking up these skills and assigning them to different buttons on your control pad. And so, you know, A, B, X, Y. And so, and you, you can even like overwrite those skills. Say you found a better skill that you uh, on the on the ground, um, but you're also having to deal with uh, you know the other player. And so you're trying to attack them. Each character has about I think it's like 20 hit points. I think it was. And so you're trying to whittle down their health and and, and defeat them all in this crazy place uh, that has destructible environments like desolate highways and. Uh, these big buildings that are just crumbling down around you, and this is this is a game that came out like 15 years ago, and like oh maybe earlier than that, maybe like 10 10 to 12 years ago, and so it it was doing a lot of these different things that had like hundreds of different skills that you could obtain. I think it had a, upwards of like 300 to 400 skills that you could get. It had this crazy cool music uh, that mixed. I think there was even like a mix of jazz in there. Yeah, it was it was really kind of cool. Uh, I really forgot dark. how late in the Xbox's life cycle it came out. It was think. it was definitely pretty late. I mean, it, it was it is backwards compatible with the 360. Um, but the since the live Xbox Live the original servers went down, people couldn't play on there anymore. Uh, you could still do like System Link. I think multiplayer with that, but that's kind of it. Uh, it does like I said, it has a single player campaign. Um, but it, it was it was really cool. It was very unique. It had, like I said, a cool art style, very dark, um, very intense at times in that story mode. Uh, well told. Uh, it, it was actually uh, upon its release is actually very well reviewed, and so and for good reason. Um, it was it was a very fun experience that you know everyone should get, get a chance to play it sometime. But now it's coming out next year, so way more people can do it. And it's it's really nice to see that they're doing that, especially how insane that phantom dust reboot that microsoft was trying to pull off uh kind of all fell apart um i, I don't know if you remember the story about it why that happened it's that there was a company car called uh dark side games that spent most of the time doing outsourcing work for other companies and phantom dust 2 uh, or just the reboot was supposed to be their first big solo project that they could really, you know, put their hat on and, and claim it as their own. What happened was that they had a budget of uh, like five million dollars, but Microsoft came back and said, "Hey guys, we need you to make a single player campaign with a previously multiplayer only game." And so, like guys, we're gonna have to hire a bunch of new artists and new uh, engineers, uh, co- programmers, things like that, to m- make sure to make that game. But Microsoft was like, "Nah." We're not giving you any more money. Five million is it? So they would not budge on that. And this is a reported story that Kotaku ran uh, that I, I remember reading about. And so I think it was even like uh, if you remember, like I think it was Ken Lobb on a podcast said, "Oh yeah, it's going to be like a thirty-hour long JRPG." If you remember that, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the people at the studio, are like, wait, what? You guys said like you wanted like five or six hours. Where's the thirty-hour thing? So now expectations are way out of control and there's still this problem about um you know not getting the money that they need the worst thing was that when that game was first announced the phantom dust reboot at e3 it was made that whole trailer was made by a totally different company it wasn't made by the studio itself i think i remember this now that you're talking about it yeah and microsoft even apparent uh, uh um allegedly put a gag order on the studio so they couldn't even tell people that they were making it and so they couldn't even like get help or like just some sort of uh, you know 
compensation or at least uh, uh, acknowledgement for the, all the effort that they were putting into this game. I think at one point, Microsoft was even trying to get them to make art for their mobile card game that they're going to make for Phantom Dust. And so there was all these different elements coming at them at once, and Microsoft was obviously not doing them any favors. It was, And the person that was kind of spearheading this project at Microsoft apparently left the company, so they didn't have anybody to help them with it. But, uh, you know, that's uh, all these different elements came uh, to fruition and just kind of destroyed them. Studio got shut down. That project got shelved. Um, but this Phantom Dust remastered version, uh, I guess it's Microsoft's uh, second attempt at seeing if there's even an audience for this. Um, I, I, before the podcast, actually went back and watched a trailer. They really screwed up on the trailer because what happens is that they, they, the way that trailer starts is that it starts with like this glowing the original xbox logo you know the boot animation with the blow like the glue the green like gel thing that, yeah. can, that kind of morphs into the logo um they ran the same quote twice in that trailer oh <laughs> like it's, they put they had a trailer they had a quote from um uh worth playing i think it was saying it was like a fresh game and experience it was the first quote and it was also the third quote. It was the exact same thing. Uh, and, and I think one of the uh, one of the things that they typed that wasn't a quote saying it was like the one of the most blood franchises on the Xbox. Like, <laughs> can you really call it a franchise when it was just one game? Yes. <laughs> it, was, it did make it. I mean, it's obviously it's a cult classic, but it's, I don't think you can call it a right. franchise. It no, no, didn't no, have any of the elements. Everything surrounding Phantom does like the yeah, disease. It was so bizarre like it's like one of those things like it, it, it's it's kind of now well documented uh when you look back at it but it's just there, those are weird times and it continues to be a oh, weird existence it was so bizarre even from the fact that its inception in that it was a game that was published by microsoft japan and then but it was over here it was localized it was published by majesco yeah. And so it very little marketing and very little shelf space. Um, so it kind of died on on delivery. And so it was very unfortunate that happened to such a good game. You can still get it really cheap. It's not like it's super rare, high, like very expensive game to get. You could probably pick it up for a few dollars. I use copy. Wait for the remastered. <clears throat> oh, wait for the remastered. Now, the remaster was announced at E3. Yeah, it was on a YouTube Live Uh during okay. like around the time like right up to Sony's conference in fact and so people weren't even aware that it, it was that it existed until that announcement happened um but yeah it's coming out in 2017 for the Xbox One like I said it's an Xbox Play Anywhere title so a lot of people should pick that up and like it was a it was a very fun game very cool looking game that still holds up in my opinion I played that game not too long ago uh, on the Xbox 360 just yeah. to see what it was like. And, and then they'll, they're going to restructure like the online to support like modern Xbox Live features as well, I hear. Yep, exactly. Like, I mean, it, obviously, Xbox Live originally had uh, a, a mandate for voice chat and things like that. But yeah, a lot of the server features and things like that. So that should be really cool to see just what they could do to such an old game. Because you don't really have too many examples of that. But um Unless it's like Halo and whatnot, but it's 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 very nice to see that that game's still getting love. Um, just because I don't want to see that game die, because <laughs> it's it it was such a fun experience back when it came out that more people should be able to experience that. So and that was that was kind of like the other big uh, announcement before we get into some of the other stuff. I want to quickly run down some of the localization announcements. Uh, Caligula was announced right after E3. 
I'm sure yeah. Adam was very excited just and, and you, Josh, just because we posted all that news. It seems like we were kind of the ones that were really uh, hit, uh, drumming for support just to see more people experience that. It's from the was it from the writer of the original Persona mm-hmm. games? Well, so it's um, yeah, the, the writer is the writer of Persona one and two. Yeah, yeah. It's developed by Aquario. Oh, no, no Furio is, is the publisher. Yeah. It's developed by Aquaria. Aquaria. I don't know how to pronounce it. Aquaria. A Q U R I A. They developed Sword Art uh, Hollow Fragment and the other one, not not Lost Song. Uh, they developed they, Hollow Fragment. No, not that one either. They developed Hollow Fragment and Infinity Moment, which oh, I think is okay. which, oh, which, which I think is included in Hollow Fragment. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 so just the developer it's, it's, of that. It's, it's, yeah, it's um, not even Infinity is just like an expanded version of the original. Well, Hollow Fragment's an expanded version of Infinity, so it's barely yeah. a different game. And so anyway. it's actually it's out actually out in Japan. I've heard mixed things about it. So, but yeah, yeah Atlas is bringing it over on Vita uh, in the United States or Americas, uh, digital only. Um, so it kind of looks like they're just giving it. I don't want to say minimum effort, but just kind of, you know. Yeah, I would not say, you know, at uh, least it's coming over. The, the, the further we get, you know, the Vita, Vita retail might be <laughs> a little bit more tricky to do. Um, yeah. I mean, but, GameStop is the only place that really, uh, only brick and mortar place that does Vita retail anymore. Look, the, um, the, the PS Go was right all along. <laughs> yeah, Best Buy, Best Buy got rid of theirs. Uh, uh, Target no longer carries any Vita stuff. Like I remember, I went to Target. The only thing I saw was like the PlayStation TV, and that was it. Now <laughs> I do know that uh, John Harden, the PR guy at Atlas, said that it's possible that maybe the limited run games, which kind of they kind of do, um, they work with different publishers to to basically their job is to make physical copies. That there's a possibility there, but otherwise digital only. Yeah, I think for the Vita, the sooner people accept that, the better. Just because I still want a new handhold from Sony, but yeah. The it's whole the, it's still cool that we're getting Vita-exclusive games next year, for sure. Absolutely, yeah, it's still happening. And um, speaking of which, because um, people like to bring up Atlas as well, Legend of Heroes Trails of Gold Steel 2 um, was announced for this fall for Europe. Uh, I, actually, I actually didn't realize that it wasn't really given a release window. Like, Nisa announced that they were bringing it over, but, I, you know, I guess they didn't ever say before. You know, No, like they never announced that they were bringing it over. No, no Trails of Gold Steel 2, it was always... Yes. Ex- no, that, that, that was originally announced when they originally announced that both the Cold Steel games hmm. last year's E3, that Nisa was bringing both of them over to Europe. Back, way back when, I but I didn't, re- I didn't, re- I didn't realize that it was never like given a date until now. So it's basically, basically just coming out around the same time That's that cool. Exceed is releasing the 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 NA version. Yeah, um, NA so. version. Uh, so that's the thing is that I think people recently got updates on their Amazon orders for Cold Steel Two. Josh experienced this where it might be that it's coming out. The North American version of Cold Steel Two might be out on September sixth. Yeah, um, I saw that, and I, and I think that's what the I think that's what the placeholder had been, right? But anyway, no, it yeah, got so, updated. It was uh, September, just September thirty first, I think, before, but now it's been updated. I forgot exactly. Well, I think it was like super early September. Let me go check my calendar. I know now it's September sixth, so you know people I, might. I have, written, I have written that, but yeah. Yeah, so we've got that, and then also Mega Dimension Neptunia V two is going to be out on Steam on July fifth. It apparently comes with like dozens of free DLC. There'll also be a digital deluxe version of that. I actually think that's like the best um, entry place for people that are interested in that series. 
So I think it's going to have like a 20% launch week discount. I think they said 40%. 40%, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Idea Factory does that. They're kind of <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the fact that Amnesia, their Atomic game, was like 90% off like a few weeks after it came out on Steam was just the craziest thing. Um, we already mentioned... Oh, sorry? Was that Digital Deluxe or that you just mentioned it? I just mentioned it, yes. There's going to be a Digital Deluxe version planned for it. Yeah, uh, but, well. but do we know what, what's going to be in that Digital Deluxe nope. or not yet? Okay. The page did not say anything about that. They said more details to come soon. I don't know so, if I'll double dip. I'll think about this, it. This week. Uh, yeah, or you know, maybe we'll have an article for that. We'll see. Um, then we've got Yomi Wo Saku Hana. We already mentioned uh, the new experience RPG. It's coming to the West just from plans. And also... Some now, I wasn't, I wasn't really paying attention to this, but it's... What? Oh. Is, do we know it's an RPG? Like I know they said it's it not is. a dungeon crawler. Yeah, it's, it's it's an RPG. We just don't know much about it. It's yeah. it's. All I know is they kind of revealed two characters. Like one of them was like a girl Sakura, and the other one I don't remember. And then like they said it's not a dungeon crawler, and that's kind of that's all I remember. But I've I've been out of it. So yeah, no, they haven't really explained much more than that. They're, yeah, they're wearing like very traditional garb, like um, what, kimonos. You, kimonos. Yeah, um, that was about it. Just the pictures that we've seen. Um, but we know that's existing. Something that also got lost, uh, Guru, we posted about this on Twitter, but Guru Man, um, that Falcom action RPG, is going to be released on the 3DS this summer, which is really out of left field. Because yeah. <laughs> that's the, one of the last things I think that I would, or at least something I would never think about uh, happening, especially for a game like that. I don't know if it has something to do with the recent uh, release on Steam, uh, but... That seems such a weird thing. I don't know. Yeah, Guru Man is kind of like it. Kind of feels like a an, like a Nintendo sixty four platformer. Uh, yeah. I played. I played. I played the PC version, but it's like a Nintendo sixty four platformer with a very small action RPG element. Yeah. But it, it's mostly a platformer, like going through collecting tokens in a level and. Uh, has that N64 feel, if that makes any sense. It kind of even looks like an N64 game. Yeah, it's kind of like a top-down action game, kind of like shooting all over the place, but also platforming, as you said. Yeah. Okay, I, I was getting clarification. So Yomi wo Sakuhana, it's, it's not going to be a dungeon crawler, but it's going to be a hack-and-slash gameplay. Yeah, so it's yeah, pretty that's... different from everything else experience has done. All right. Just need yeah, so... clarification on that. But it's cool that they're announcing it for the West so early. Just we can pull so from on that. X on Xbox One. They haven't said anything about other versions. But an Xbox anywhere, man. It was an Xbox <laughs> One exclusive announced, so it's not. Well, like it? some of the experience games are weird. Like Stranger of Sword City started on PC, then moved to Xbox 360, then moved to Xbox One, then got localized, then had a Vita version, and now it has another Vita version in Japan. Oh yeah, actually, I'm definitely not just saying. released. <laughs> Sometimes those experience releases are weird. Yeah, it definitely could be coming to other platforms, of course, but. Um, Apparently, Experience is also going to have another Q&A tomorrow, so maybe we'll hear about some other titles oh, as well, okay. but we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, they had one for the 20th and the 27th. That's how they originally planned it. That's how we got the news about this one. I really, first... really want to know. I want a release date for Ruth Letter already. They just said the fall, right? That's all yeah, we got? They, 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 yeah, that's by yeah. P-Cube, right? Yeah, the Steinsgate the localizers, they're also bringing over Okay. Yeah. Uh, Gate Zero was announced too, but that's a totally different... That's from... Nice America is just doing the work for that, isn't it? Was it Nice America? No, I think it's the, I know Rice Digital put out the re, the release, but or first announced it. I don't think it's right. There's definitely not Nice. No. Oh. I, I, well, I I'm think, gonna look this up because I got a keyboard and I've got a computer in front of me. Um, PQ still. Yeah. It's definitely. Oh, it's still PQ. Okay. Yeah. 
I wonder why. I remember someone was like uh, bothered by. It. Oh no, wait. I'm sorry. Like they mentioned. Like I remember, I follow some guy that worked on the team with Steinsgate. He said, "Yeah, we're still working on Steinsgate Zero." So never mind. Same localization team. I think it might be a different publisher or something. But who knows? Oh. Um, in any case, so there's been that, uh, and yeah, we'll just. That's like I said, wasn't a whole lot of news between E3 um, and now, uh, just from what we've talked about. Other than the stuff we mentioned on the podcast that you guys have been paying attention to, I hope. Um, but we'll kind of finish this up with some E3 reactions. Now, um, we'll, we'll, once again, we'll not spend too much time on this just because uh, we have a lot of our articles kind of speak for themselves about our reactions to the games that we saw. Uh, we're just doing stuff that either we had um, appointments for or saw on the show floor. And so, um, Josh, is there anything that you saw at E3 uh, that you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I've just mentioned some games that uh, like I, I don't really plan to like write up because they're not really RPGs or just miscellaneous games. I sure, that's a perfect place for that, yeah. Yeah, um, I was able to check out Yakuza 0. That was probably one of the most impressive <laughs> games I saw, I saw there. I saw the minigames, oh my god. Um, like I, I played, uh, what was his name, the guy with the eye patch, Maijima, my, my I think? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I tried him out. Uh, the big thing with Yakuza Zero is they have like these three styles in combat now. So he has like I forget all the terminology. He has like his uh, standard like uh, snake bite stance that uh, it's usually uh, seen when you're fighting against him in the games. Is he is Goro as crazy as he is in the oh, other games? Oh yeah, oh yeah, awesome. yeah. He has uh, this more power stance that he holds like a freaking uh, metal baseball bat, and then like this other stance that like he break dances as he's fighting. Um, it's pretty insane, but it, uh, it 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 ran very well, and um, it, it's it's basically it's weird seeing that how the whole environment uh, changing because it's it's uh, Yakuza Zero is a prelude, uh, even a uh, prequel, but even before Yakuza Zero, it's a very yeah much younger um, what's his name uh, main dude Kajima. There we go. Kazuma. Yeah, Kazuma Kiryu. Uh, so b- both him and Magoro are much younger in this. Maybe I want to say uh, early twenties looks like. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it runs super well on the PS4. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. That's gonna be released sometime next year. Um, got to check out King of Fighters 14. That was a blast to play. I I was kind of iffy on it at first because the, of their uh, SNK's shift to 3D. Like I'm not gonna be here saying that like uh. KOF 14 looks great. It's like almost like maybe early PS3 like 3D models, maybe late PS2. But it it it's super fun to play. Like mechanics wise, it's super responsive, snappy. Uh, all the uh, unique traits of King of Fighters are still in there. Along, I got a chance to mess with some of the new characters. Like uh, there's this big uh, like raptor guy called King of Dinosaurs. And <laughs> oh yeah, was, yeah, it's, it, it was great. Oh my gosh! I saw footage of that. It just it stands out so much. Yeah, I mean, it's a freaking dinosaur. <laughs> so it makes sense. But. I had a lot of fun with that. I got to check out Gravity Rush Two as well. Yeah, really good looking game for sure. Yeah, yeah it's, it's beautiful. It's it has a, a there's some first of it, it's still in development. There's still a lot of optimization needs to be done. Might be an older build that they showed at E3, but I'm really looking forward to that. It looks absolutely gorgeous. I'm glad that like there. I'm glad that they made the shift to like. It being PS4 exclusive, it kind of sucks that it's not going to be on Vita, but you can really see the big payoff with them really fully utilizing just having the PS4 as the only platform they have to worry about in developing that game. And um, and I also got to try out VR for the first time on the on the show floor. I got to wear a PlayStation VR and uh, super comfy, right? That thing's yeah, super very comfy. comfy. Yeah, it's, uh, there's no like 
like it, you don't feel dragged down by it. Like there's you don't feel weighed down. Super comfortable on your head. I got to try out the Resident Evil Seven, and well, I uh, I'm hearing that's not the best like demo to like try it out on. <laughs> uh, like I did feel a little woozy after it for like a good thirty seconds or so, but uh, it, it it was fine. I I that's not really and there's not really anything I saw that like spoke to me to say get a PlayStation VR anytime soon. You need to play Summer Lesson and then you can uh, finally experience it's it. It's not right? gonna get uh, released here, man. They just said it's gonna be Japan only. I'm sorry. It's gonna be brought over. Some fans will bring it over. It's okay. <laughs> Someone will bring it over. It's like within like a day or two, it's gonna be brought to the PC. Like someone's gonna hack it for the PC, and then we're gonna get the demo. We'll be all good. But uh, I'm I'm interested to see like how Resident Evil Seven will have because that's actually the first like big budget game that like really putting its foot forward and saying do you can play this whole thing in vr instead of just like this little slice of something like a mini game or like, to test out the vr capabilities yeah like well the only thing we've really heard is like resident infinite is going to be a launch title we learned yeah. that recently i think that's like um, the only game that like really must uh, i really want to get a vr headset for but i also want like that vibration suit as well so it's not gonna happen mm. since it's too expensive I but know. also i mean there's, there's we know about ace combat has got a version right. for that the new ace combat i really Maybe love f- that they didn't show that off i'm really bummed i really like yeah that. i hope that from software has got something in plans i'd love to see like a chrome hands vr oh yeah they, their new title their next title is for playstation vr they did <clears> that down on their their <clears> trailer yeah. that's right yeah and hoping that's chrome hands or maybe um I'm sorry, I'm already misremembering the what was that other that game that Kingsfield? they Kingsfield? No, not Kingsfield. Um Kingsfield in VR seems like it'd be a nightmare because you'd only be <laughs> you'd be like trying to look around and like hurt your neck trying to like find the things that are in the hiding Armored spots. Core. Armored core, that's what I was thinking of. That'd be crazy because the last armored core was not good. Yeah. Um, and I like yeah, to but man, if you're if you're hmm, depends. I don't know if I feel about having an armored core just be all entirely in the cockpit view. I would totally be cool with that, honestly, because I think that's it's like Steel Battalion or something like that. Like being stuck in that co- that cockpit view is, I think, the best part of that. Like it's a good way to understand the mechanics of moving a giant mech around. Uh, just the experience of that would be cool enough. But I want shot. them to announce. I want them to announce a Gundam VR game already. That's the kind of. I hope they announce it at TGS because that's before PlayStation VR comes out. So I hope they. Bring some big hitters there. That would be the best, I think, as a gun to VR they're, game. They're, I mean, da- down the pipeline, I can totally imagine Japan. It's like it's like it's not a, a question of if, but when. See, it just seems inevitable at that point. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and for myself, as far as E3 is concerned, I think the standouts were. Um, I already have articles of like Attack on Titan. Um, I've got something up for. Um, I'll have something for Summer Night Six that I got to check out in a hotel suite, not even on the E3 show for proper. Uh, the games that stood out for me um, beside, was like Dragon Quest Builders, very fun to play. I think it's going to be really cool to see how people react to that. It was well-received in Japan, but it's kind of cool just having NPCs, these villagers, rely on you to make these different uh, buildings and like use these different layouts the way that they want them to, but also kind of feeding you um, uh, uh, advice about how to build a place. It was just kind of having that kind of interaction in the game uh, that people seem to compare a lot to Minecraft. It's not really like Minecraft, though. I mean, like it's just like the like at, it's very at, first, base land, at first glance, like first impression, you get that, but it's definitely a different beast. It's like, but it's very much like a Dragon Quest game too, in that it's mm-hmm. telling a story. It's a very long story. It's got a lot of the same pacing as a Dragon Quest. I think it's even set in the original Dragon Quest game. So uh, people should be looking forward to that. Another game I, 
I also loved uh, Gravity Rush too. Just the it, people that are familiar with the mechanics. The only real difference is is that you're using like the touchpad to flick to different forms. Uh, that was not in the original game. Yeah, um, that's got like this crazy cool thing. Like you, you, I think it's like if you flick down, it's got this move that you can like smash the ground uh, if you like yeah, charge you have, it up and smash the ground. You have a lunar style and Jupiter style, so lunar style yeah. is much more floaty and quick. Uh, like like let's say in uh, lunar style, you have like these wormhole kicks that you can uh, activate in each succession. So it's much more uh, fast paced. You, smash, than... smash, you just tap the be- you just smash the button and just like you just hit yeah the you're just you're just teleporting like through wormholes that you're kicking. It's freaking insane. It's pretty much like wormholes <laughs> like the best description of that. You just like right to that person instead of like gliding your way just right there. Yeah. Perfect for when you're dealing with an enemy that shoots a lot of projectiles. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Also got to see uh, yeah yeah it, it seems like a really cool game. I also got to see Bound. Um, oh yeah, I played that as well really cool looking game it's it does a lot with the you know playing like tricks with your mind and like the very visual style of that it's got its own created uh language it seems um but like it's it's very much like a platformer but you're kind of like a ballerina and so you're running around but she's not just running she's kind of dancing away there's a dedicated dance button in that there's game. a dedicated dance button that you'll have to use for like certain uh, points of the game also during puzzles just to solve them but it's it's very the contrast um like the, the contrast is way up the the way the world kind of falls apart and comes back together around you is very cool it's got some great music uh that that's very it's very i, I love that uh like nothing in that like game has like faces everything's like a polygonal figure uh style so since they, have, they don't have like really expressions that you rely on on their face they have to express it like through body language through movement yeah, and there's, and there's in fact a story. So it's like this: you're this girl, and whose mother tells you, "Hey, there's this beast that's terrorizing our kingdom. So go out and, you know, find a way to deal with it." Or at least I think it's like you volunteer to go out and find a way to deal with it. So you first have to like meet up with this kind of an elder figure who t- who's supposed to tell you what you need to do. Or at least you trying to get the advice to find out what needs to happen. And I think he's he, he's like, "Nah, I don't want to tell you anything. You're just a kid." Uh, so it, it, there's uh, there's definitely story elements there. It reminds me very much of like a, a game like Journey, or or Flower. It's, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of like that sort of resonance with people, that sort of emotional attachment to the plight of this character. Right. But it, it, yeah, it just looks amazing. Uh, we've, and that's that's kind of why I'm excited for it. Um, it's a small budget. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to be really cheap to buy. So I'm like, I'm very excited to check that out. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of. Yeah, I mean, there, there's other games. Yeah, there's like tons. Uh, Dead Red Rising Four. I got to see Mafia Three. Oh, I want to mention Wild Guns Reloaded. Uh, oh yeah, well, Wild Guns Reloaded. I see. Crazy. I actually crazy. Got to do, I actually got to do hands-on behind the scenes on that. that was, it's uh, crazy what they did because it's it's. Um, I mean, obviously you can speak more to this than I can, but um, what they did is that they retained the 2D sprite style of the original game yeah. while also adding content, like the whole characters. idea of that. Yeah, two new, they added characters and all this stuff. So you, you said you got to check it out, though. Yeah, I mean, what do you I, think? I, I, it felt just like the original way back when. I, I really like that like they retain like the the pixel art style on it. Like it it, it super stands out, but it's it's very clean, sharp. And it it moves uh, super smoothly. I, I asked for the potential of maybe online co-op, and they're, they're because it supports local co-op at the moment. And then they said they're kind of iffy about it right now. So if the time <laughs> allows, yes, but they couldn't really give me a concrete answer on that. But uh, in terms of like gameplay, it's it's definitely identical from what you played back then. Just it's it's 
brought back for the modern age. If you yeah, had Wild Guns back then, you'll definitely enjoy it now. Yeah, if people don't know, it, it was a game that was recently released, that was released, not recently, but it was released back on the Super Nintendo, um, and it was this crazy, cool, it's, like, Wild West. It's like, like a gallery were, shooter. A gallery shooter, exactly. That's kind of what it was, is that you just, you, you were, your back was to the screen, and you were shooting up all these different people that were jumping around on different buildings and whatnot, and it was also pretty typical, if I remember right. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like yeah. I got, to the, I got to the second stage, and I got my ass whooped. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very it's very, very bad. Um, other than that, though, it's like you know, Bloodstained, Sea of Thieves, uh, Let It Die uh, oh, looks yeah. really cool, hmm. and that's that's kind of it. I mean, the articles we're, we're more excited about are on the site, um, but those are kind of the big standouts for me. So I'm I'm just. A lot of great games are coming out. A lot of us got to do hands-on in Zelda here. There's some of our writers that got to do, got to see Zelda, but yeah, we the, got lines, the lines are too fucking long. Yeah, our... that's that was like I think it was a was it um, an hour and a half line at the very least. Yeah, no. What what was the thing was that like they said at one one of the days I think it was the Wednesday that um, the whole day was already booked by ten o'clock. Oh Jesus! Yeah. So I'm... in the morning, and it, the the place closed at six. So some people were waiting for like six to eight hours just to play it and so that's kind of what it was like see if the it wasn't any better yeah. like if you want to play that game it was a super long line i think it was because they were handing out t-shirts it was like recore i really want to play recore but that line was ex- yeah. insane long um, so i'll just wait to play it at like a GameStop somewhere well, so, some of us got to see um not 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 any of us here but some of us got to see last guardian horizon zero dawn and yeah. Man, the, those look great especially horizon zero dawn Oh, I, I'm, I, I'm stoked. I'm speak, stoked. Speaking of someone who's like, uh, speaking less Guardian, just like Shadow of the Colossus is my favorite game of all time. I've said that before. I got that pre-order. I, I did pre-order that limited that I, I did edition. too. I was like, I've no collector's edition. I see that little freaking Trico statue thing. I'm like, oh, man. It looks really cool. Oh, and it's it's, really it's, cool. it's not even that much more expensive. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy this. I, I very rarely or whatever invest in that kind of stuff but for last guardian that a game i'm sure i'll have a good time with i want to buy this so that's that's one of the rare moments that i've actually spent more usually i just i don't even buy games new as much anymore so that was a game i was like i need to get this immediately and have it forever (laughs) it was complete your thought oh go ahead oh no i was gonna mention that it was funny uh, i remembered back at the zelda thing that like they they were handing out uh, t-shirts when you complete the zelda I, I, then you think you needed like uh, I forgot it was like a stamp or a number that like needed three of them. You needed two stamps. Two, yeah. two stamps, yeah. So um, and they were like very stingy about like handing out these shirts, like even like media people. So what about what what are the people of uh, CD? What he did was uh, the next day when he found out he couldn't get one, was he went on fucking eBay to like get the I shirt mean, and he paid like a hundred bucks for it. You just have to wait like a couple weeks and then the price will like. <laughs> no, nah. and so. then when Alex heard that, oh my god. Those two guys. God, it's it's. CD, you said that was C who did that? Yeah, yeah Seed House. Yeah. Seed House yeah. is from Nintendo. He's a Insider. huge Nintendo guy. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a Nintendo fan side, so it makes perfect sense. Oh, I also want to mention um, Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 oh, final. Oh, yeah, that's right. It looks really good. Like they did a great job with like the whole remaster of that, so that that should be exciting. But everything else was on the floor. Um, Adam, did you? You said you were obviously you were very busy with your defense. Yeah. So, is there anything de- you saw that stand out for you? Yeah, my defense date was literally that Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, sure. So while you while you guys were on the floor, I was like panicking and giving a presentation. Stress so. the fuck out. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Uh, I, oh. So, I, so I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to much, but I think Zelda is probably the one that like 
is I'm most intrigued in because it's like they're clearly changing things and like um, trying something new. And it's like I was kind of worried when they said like it was going to be open world. But so far, I, like, it looks promising. Like totally. it's kind of it's kind of like a good so far. It seems like it's mixing those bigger world elements with the Zelda, you know, staples. So I'm I'm interested. I'm surprised yeah. at how well received that uh, Nintendo's bold initiative to just only have Zelda up on the floor. Like how well received that was overall, because everyone has a different story to tell when they uh, got their hands on the Zelda demo. They're like, no two stories are the exact same for that. They, like there was such a, a crazy amount of like variety they showed off in that open demo uh, of Zelda's uh, Breath of the Wild debut. They're like, there's just so many little things about it. They're like, give so much charm to that. Just a uh, huge bigger. amount of detail. It's, oh, it's, and it's, it's got that Wind Waker look, which is my, my favorite console console Zelda game. So I'm, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is going to be it. This is going to be the game that um, I'm, I'm going to be excited for. And I'm sure it's going to sell a lot of NXs just because I don't think anyone's going to buy that for the Wii U. So I, I, I'm probably going to get an NX for it. Like, yeah. to be honest, depending on like how it looks on there and everything, like... It, yeah. looks, it looks absolutely. I good. think they said it was going to look close to like, or at least identical, if anything. But like, you know, the experience, I'm sure, because Nintendo's got to have a gimmick for the next system, so I'm sure it's going to be a lot different from playing it. You so. become Link. You just turn it on and you just magically turn it. On. <clears throat> you become female Link. So, Adam, is there anything else that you saw from there? Uh, not really. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm interested in a lot of small things, but that was probably the one that I'm like, you know, I didn't know what to expect, and now that I've seen what they had to what they had to show. Like yeah, I'm I'm interested. I'm on board. Oh yeah, um, that, there's that so, little Persona Five uh, gameplay uh, thing that that trailer that they showed off to, like for the first time there. Yeah. Like the slice of life, uh, daytime slice. activities, and the dungeons and whatnot. That looked. It, it's shaping up, and we finally got the the freaking name for the last party member, so we can stop calling him Ken. <laughs> That's. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, Godo Akechi. Yeah, Godo. So, yeah. It, it was kind of crazy that they see three. I I put a lot of focus on kind of the smaller titles, and so you got like Bloodstain was there, Cuphead was there to play, uh, which I, I was excited to check did, out. Did you, did you get a chance to at least see Cuphead? I, I didn't. Yeah, have I played it. Oh it was, my god, how is it? It's super hard. Like, <laughs> I, it was it was that last year's E3 as well. Like you could play it there. It they had super... the platforming sta- stages there now, right? Not yeah, they added the they added the 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 platforming so it's not just straight up boss fights everywhere like it was last like last e3 it seemed like that was that you're going to boss fight to boss fight it seemed like there wasn't much uh in between that and that was kind of like well i know you guys have put a lot of effort into the bosses but but it still looks stunning it's looking smoother it looks like the visuals have definitely gotten up a boost um and the sound design is great and so but yeah it's super hard like you're gonna get killed over and over and over and fantastic it's it's, (laughs) your typical classic platformer um but yeah like it, it was it was i'm just excited for like a lot of the smaller titles and i was i'm surprised i'm seeing that in a year when there's so many big games coming out uh we like you know this final fantasy 15 is just around the corner so we'll, we'll find out but that's kind of uh it for the podcast then um yeah, uh, just uh before we get to final wrap up like uh me and you will be going to anime expo this weekend so yeah we'll get to check out more games there and then attend some panels that are definitely rpg related Bandai namco has their rpg panel last year they announced uh, digimon there yeah um, and that's that's um, that's the final day of anime expo. i think it's on july 4 that's that yeah that's the last day um there's also going to be like a star ocean 5 launch party mm-hmm. apparently during that as well but what was, the, what was the what was the digital was it new 
Next Order is the one Next that Order, that's it. released on, on Vita in Japan. So uh, it, it doesn't seem like they have the same amount of like attention that uh, Cyber Sleuth did because Cyber Sleuth was, you know, Media Vision, you know, which is a well-respected developer. This is just like Bandai Namco internal. Um, but who knows? That's something they might announce is a localization for that. Yeah, and, and a lot of their demos that they had at E3 are going to be there, like Xenoverse Two, God Eater. Yeah, 2 I'm sure the they'll line. talk about. I'm sure they'll talk about. Uh, so at their RPG panel, I'm sure they'll talk about Tales of Berseria. Yeah, sure it's, it's Tales Berseria is going to be. Yeah, Berseria is going to be playable there as well. Yeah, uh, yeah the I demo that they showed, the Japanese only one. Uh, Axis Games has a panel dedicated to announcements, apparently. Yeah, and, and they've been teasing other ports for their for nine 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 in VLR. Uh, I actually asked them, or I didn't ask that. I was at their Momocon panel, and someone asked them about that. And that was uh, Danny Danny at Axis is basically like, uh, he the way he said it was like, that's a thought. Um, <laughs> like Kind of like, huh, Why did... we could do PC ports or something else maybe. That's... I, know, I, know, I know when I've tweeted that out, a lot of people were hoping to get 999 on Vita. Maybe that's a consideration. Um, so we'll see. It seems like it's such an obvious thing. They're obviously playing it towards you guys. So um, that should be very exciting. But, yeah, we'll have a lot of coverage of that on Twitter. Don't know if we'll do much more coverage beyond Twitter, but we'll see. Uh, just because a lot of that stuff is carryover from E3 anyway. So, But, yeah, check it out for coverage on that. We have press passes, so we have a better chance of getting into some of those insane overloaded panels that are all seem to be noted as limited um, access. Bo- and... Believe me, trying to get to that access panel last year for the Zero Escape 3 announcement was hectic and insane, and man. Yeah. Okay, so think about this. Like, I think like the maximum capacity of that room was like 150 to 200, and there was well over like 300 people at that <laughs> line, for sure. It's, oh my gosh, talk about a fire hazard. Oh yeah, like they, they wouldn't even let people like line up to like 10 minutes before, and people are just like dwelling around there. Like kind of hovering around. The, yeah, because you yeah. Like, like, the back me. of the line. I, I like, and luckily yeah. I got into like the right side of like the line. That like, so I was like only like me like the fifth or sixth person in line. Oh, oh man, it was like the most like gratifying feeling. <laughs> and you couldn't even get like much out of that. Like we had live tweeted because like the the stream went down apparently. Oh, so we were one of the only people tweeting about it or could. Yeah, so, I mean somebody the, the on reception, the inside. The reception was super bad in there too. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the Los Angeles Convention Center for you. Yep. Uh, yeah, but we'll have coverage on that. That's from July first, first to the fourth. Um, so we watching for that. Um, and and for Zero Escape fans, if you want more Zero Escape content on the site, uh, Aaron, Andrea, and I will have a little something extra uh, that we're working on down the pipeline. But we don't want to say too much about it right now because Zero Time. It's a cosplay time. party, isn't it? It's off. Oh, I don't even know what this is. So yeah. It's a no, little. Oh, yeah, I don't know what it is either, but I'm I'm sure it'll be something good. So, um, yeah, for people that are probably unfamiliar with that. So, yeah, um, that and, well, like I said, we have a lot of E3 2016 articles on the site. Tons of coverage, both um, regular and we also have a lot of videos. So on YouTube.com slash RPG site net, I posted, I posted all the clips that I was posting to our Twitter account, like from 30 seconds to longer than that. So you can check out about 30, I think it was like 37 videos that I took, you can see them all there to get you an idea of what the games look like. Twitter, um, Twitter supports uh, longer, longer videos now, right? It's like up no, to... it's still thirty seconds. Oh, okay, I thought they were talking about like one hundred forty seconds something. Mm. Well, there's one hundred forty characters for tweets. I, 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 but think, I, don't that, know I think there the was thing. like something mentioned about longer videos, though. I, I don't know. Well, I, I know that the people that are more well off on Twitter, like more followers, 
can have access to longer videos, but I don't know anything about longer videos themselves. I know for a fact, though, it's still 30 seconds, at least during E3 it was. So uh, that's what you can check on there. But they're definitely longer than that because I had to shorten them just for Twitter. But they're the original uh, takes that I made. So be checking that out. Um, and we'll have more coverage of E3 up on the site soon enough uh, on RPGsite.net. Um, our Twitter account handle is at RPGsite. There's also a Facebook.com slash RPGsite.net. We've also got a Tumblr that I've been kind of spending a lot of time with, um, which is, excuse me, it's rpgsitenet.tumblr.com. I've been basically mirroring a lot of the Twitter posts that we make on there. So people that are um, want to have that, please follow there. Uh, put a lot of effort into that now because <clears throat> I know it's not easy to navigate Twitter sometimes. So having it on tw- Tumblr might be easier for you. Uh, you can subscribe to us on a Tetracast at, at iTunes. But also, like always, tinyurl.com slash RPG site Discord, our Discord channel. I can't talk right now because I've been talking for a while. Um, a huge chat room. Uh, there was a lot of activity there during E3 and all the other big events that we have. I'm sure we'll have a lot of people there during Enemy Expo chatted up about the announcements there. There's definitely going to be announcements. I can guarantee that at oh, Enemy yeah. Expo. So make sure that you're paying attention to us because we'll have all the news as it comes along. Uh, for that, though, I want to once again thank Josh Torres and a big welcome back to Adam Butelli for being back on this podcast. Thank so you. proud of you, Adam. <laughs> Growing up so fast. <laughs> he's very young. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a young child at this point, so it's good to see him growing up, finally. Uh, oh, and, and we never got to thank you for covering Momocon, so appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much. Especially when you were so busy, you saw the uh, time to go and cover Zero Time Dilemma News. So thank you very much for that. Yep, no problem. Great. So once again, thank you all for joining us on the latest edition of the TetraCast. See you all next time.